Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name may or may not be Todd Ixenball. And we have a great episode. Hey, I didn't get to say AK the Todd Father, jerk. Quit just running ahead. That's because I'm trying to get rid of that nickname. And we have a great episode for you today. Today we are talking with Gerald Fadayomi, and he is the high school pastor at Brownsbridge Community Church, which is one of the churches affiliated with North Point Ministries. North Point, aka Andy Stanley. Yes. And so, hey, Andy. By the way, if you want to come on, um, we'll, we'll fit you into our schedule. I don't even know what to do. Just saying. So. Uh, Gerald has recently authored a book called Before You Go, Following Jesus and Growing Your Faith After High School. Super, super important conversation to have. Um, there are all, depending on what poll, um, what polls you're looking at, there is a significant number of high school students. And this, this, this question, um, especially if you're a Christian, is really important. There, but there's a significant number of, of high school students that upon graduation... Like minimum 50%. Minimum of 50%. They're going into college, and, and if they're not losing their faith, they are definitely not prepared for conversations that occur once they go into the church and so or once they go into once they go into college they just have never had to think about their faith before i mean think about it they've had elementary ministry with with small group leaders who are helping them they went into into student ministries in middle school and high school and they always have other adults around them helping them showing them how and what to believe but once they get into college what then? I mean, there's nobody there holding their hand. And so for a lot of students, they've never had to think tangibly about their faith before. And so this conversation that, that Gerald has, has kind of started um, is, is a very, very apropos thing for us to be able to begin to think about when it, when it pertains to student ministry, when it pertains to the Christian faith as high school students are entering into college. It's, it's a great, um, great read, great interview. Definitely check that out. And it's particularly close to us with us being... We do ministry stuff, yeah. Yep. We're both Christians. We both work in churches. So for us, this was something that was... Um, we, I know Caleb had his notebook out. He was taking notes um, for himself. So he's actually a student pastor. I'm a children's pastor, but it's still pertinent to me as well. However, before we get to our conversation... Hey, do we have, do we have a resource today? We do have a resource have, Oh my today. gosh, we have a resource today? Yes. You, is it a podcast? It is not a podcast. <gasps> Our Learner's Corner recommended resource of the week is a book that I've been reading called Slugfest. So, okay, you got it. Thank you. The subtitle of the book is, I was pausing for dramatic effect right there. Okay, I see it. The subtitle is called Inside the Epic 50-Year Battle Between Marvel and DC Comics. So, so, begs the question... You a Marvel or a DC guy, Caleb? I'm Marvel, hands down, no question. Hands down, without a question. Shout out to Caleb's brother, John, who always dogs on me for appreciating DC's movies. Listen, we do not have enough time on this podcast to get into that maybe we should bring Maybe we should bring John on this podcast one day and have him and I duke it out. Anyways, after that, Caleb... What do you have to tell our listeners today? About the resource? No. Finish up your spiel, man. Finish up your spiel. I'm not I'm not redoing this either. Yeah, so that is our Learner's Corner recommended resource <laughs> of 
the week. You're getting us raw and uncut today. Yes, you are. <laughs> so, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, we have a great conversation with Gerald Fediomi, and we are going to have that right now. Well, Gerald, we are so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Man, I'm so excited to be with you guys. It's going to be fun. You know, we're really excited about this book that um, that you just recently uh, authored, and it's called Before You Go. And we're just kind of curious, what what made you want to write this book? Yeah, the story behind the book is actually kind of crazy. I did not intend to write a book. I didn't do it on purpose. It just kind of happened. Um, I went to Waffle House with some of my graduated seniors in the first semester of college. And it was after our spring retreat. About 11.30 at night. I said, hey, you guys want to go out to eat? They're like, sure. We did a Waffle House, um, and we ended up sitting there until about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm just asking them questions. Like, hey, how's your faith holding up in high school? What are some things that our student ministry has done well to prepare you for the next season of your life? And what are some things that you wish we would have told you or some things that we've, we've kind of failed you in? And so I sat with this group of um, college freshmen and just started listening to what they were saying. Um, and I got back in my car that night, and I just wrote down, like, 10 ideas, 10 things that I had learned from my conversation with them and that I wanted to share with my senior class um, for this year. And so I pulled all of our seniors together, um, shared kind of these 10 ideas that I learned from these college freshmen, and got some really good feedback from our students and leaders. And so my plan was just to write those ideas out um, and give them to our seniors as they graduated. It was just a resource that they would have. Um, as they went into college and in the next season of their life. And after I wrote them all down, I reached back out to the college students that I just had walk-offs with, asked them to write letters to the students that went along with each of the kind of points that I'd written out. Um, and at the end of it, I looked at this document and said, oh, my gosh, like this might be more helpful than just giving it to my students. Maybe this will help um, some high school students across the nation. And so I reached out to Orange, and we were able to partner together to, to get the book published. So. Cool. What were or what are one or two of those things that you want every high school senior to know? Yeah, uh, the book itself is really three things, three big ideas that I kind of got from these students. One is that students really need um, to have ownership of their faith. They have to have true ownership. They have to understand why they have a relationship with Jesus, why they love him. Uh, and they need a relationship that's bigger than the church or the youth group that they attend. Because what happens a lot of times is you fall in love with the church that you go to, um, and then you get to school and you realize there's not a church that's just like yours, and you don't have the relationship that you had back at home. And so it's really easy to give up on church and then watch your faith start to dwindle. Um, and so true ownership of the faith, uh, sound theology, and the book does not really cover theology at all. The hope is that um, your church is kind of covering that and that students are getting that there. But to come to college with a sound theology, they know what they believe and why they believe it, um, we found it was really helpful. And then authentic community as well. Um, and so the book really hits on the authentic community piece and on the true ownership piece is why do you have the relationship with Jesus that you have? What does it look like to continue to grow that relationship? What does it look like to find authentic community um, when you get to college? Where do you find those people? Um, and what steps can you take now to get yourself ready for that? And so the book covers really those two of the three things that I think most college students need in order for their faith to continue to grow through college. With that, um, can you just kind of paint us a picture? So we've talked a little bit about some of the things that you cover that you would want um, high school students to know who are entering into college. 
What can you kind of paint for us the picture of what's going on right now? Whenever a student is is uh, graduating from high school and as they're entering into uh, college, <clears throat> like what's happening? Yeah, yeah. So actually, I was in getting ready for the book. I was just googling and looking at different articles, and there's an article on Christianity Today, and this is debated, but Christianity Today says that 70% of young adults are giving up on church after they graduate from high school, um, and that 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 really bothered me. And so as I started looking at our seniors, I was like, man, like, I understand how that could happen because you're leaving, you have four years of building a relationship and uh, hopefully with a small group leader, with your students, with your student pastor, you have four years of someone investing in you spiritually, you have four years of someone showing up to your football games and your basketball games, you have four years of experiencing what it really means to have Christ-like community um, and someone investing in you spiritually with theology, um, and then at the end of those four years, you're basically told, good luck, <laughs> see ya, mm-hmm. and you have no idea what's ahead, and now um, a high school student is trying to figure out how to build their relationship with Jesus, how to find authentic community, how to find people to invest in them, how to invest back into the local church on their own as an adult, and they feel like they're left on their own to do it. Um, and there's already so many unknowns, right? Like trying to figure out what school to go to, trying to figure out who your friends are going to be, trying to figure out what your relationship with your parents is going to look like when you're gone, how many weekends you're going to come home, trying to figure out what clubs and sororities and fraternities and, and things that you're going to be a part of, and then managing a GPA. There's just so many unknowns for high school seniors as they're leaving high school. Um, and then there's the challenge of trying to figure out how to continue to follow Jesus as well. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a high-stress, high-pressure time for, for graduating seniors. And if we can eliminate some of the, the mystery, some of the, I don't exactly know what to expect on the front end, and then give them some tools so that they have a plan to follow Jesus in high school, I think it would be really helpful to them. So. So you you said that whenever this idea kind of the the early part of its its kind of inception, you were at Waffle House with with a bunch of of uh, college freshmen. Can you kind of talk to yeah. us a little bit about the moment when you, uh, you you talked about how you realized that you had a book there, but when you started to realize the implications of of what this was going to mean and how maybe I don't know if fail is the right word, but when you realized, hey, there's more that we can be doing to to help our students as they're entering into college. What was that like? Um, and, and how has that kind of played out now um, in this, as this new school year is, is starting to happen for you and your ministry? Yeah, I think for me, man, like that conversation was a reality check and it was a realization that I really needed. Um, I think what's really easy as a student pastor uh, to do is, to, is for us to think, or for me to think at least, that salvation was a finish line. And so if we can get students to figure out who Jesus is and decide to follow him in high school before they graduate, then I've done my job. Pat on the back, job well done. Um, but that conversation made me realize that it's not a finish line. It's the most important decision that a student will ever make, but it's a starting line. That life actually begins through the search from dead to life when they decide to follow Jesus. And then that's when the relationship begins. That's when they begin to know him. That's when they begin to pursue him. And that's when they go on, a, on an adventure of a lifetime. That's, that's where God takes them to do things that they never thought they could do, the places that they never thought they would go. That's when they start making decisions through a filter that they've never used before. And so for me, I started thinking, man, like, if that's not the finish line, if that's really the starting line, 
that I have to change some things and I have to think about some things differently and we have to program in different ways and, and we have to have conversations in different ways to help students like continue to follow to understand that this is not a, the finish line. This is the starting line and the best is actually ahead. The, the best is yet to come. So it was a major realization for me and my team and I are constantly having conversations about, well, how do we, how do we help students? build a faith that is going to last when they leave? How do we give them more opportunities to serve, more opportunities to exercise their faith, more opportunities to mentor students who are coming behind them that they really have to own what they believe and that it's not something that falls apart in the first semester of college? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm a student pastor as well, and I'm just curious, what are some of the what are after that conversation? What are some of the changes that you've made to um, programming, to um, strategy, to structure, and stuff like that? Yeah, we haven't made a ton of changes yet. I mean, this was just last semester, so going into a new year. Um, but one of the big things that we're trying to figure out are ways that we can get our seniors more engaged in serving in our student ministry. And so, a lot of our seniors serve in middle school environments and. Um, our elementary and pre-K environment, and we found that that's been really helpful for them. Um, but part of what helps students, I think, stick around for long enough starts to even get this information to them um, is if they feel real ownership of their student ministry to begin with. And so I want to help them learn to own their faith more, and I think if I can get them to own the ministry a little bit more, then I have more time to invest in that. The thing that's just true about seniors in general is they get senior at it, and that's not just true for school, it's true for life. Um, there's a lot of things that they been a part of that their senior year they're like I don't know if I'm going to do that anymore like I don't want extra things on my plate I'm pretty tired I'm kind of done and I'm ready for what's ahead and so to help our students see like hey th this ministry is not ours it's yours you are leading the way you're setting the tone you're creating the culture and the freshmen are watching you to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus so we need you to serve here we need you to to be uh, greeters, we need you to be first-time connectors, we need a prayer team to be praying for students, um, we need some students who are going to kind of hype things, so when we do major events, like, you guys are going to be the one who show up with face paint and do crazy stuff, to just kind of set the culture and own more of the student ministry, um, and then the second semester of their senior year, we pull all of our seniors aside after worship, so they'll come for, for uh, games, worship, and then for teaching, we actually pull them out of the room. Um, and we'll do some, some specific teaching just to seniors. Um, and some of it is, is similar to the curriculum that's in the book as well. So I wanted to zoom out um, for a minute. And it, and it seems like you shared earlier about um, a Christianity Today article. And, and there's some statistics, and you can kind of look around and, and find find these things out there about the percentage and stuff of of kids that when they go into college are leaving the faith. It seems almost like I don't know if it's if it's um, the church not doing its job, not 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 just not caring if it or maybe it's, um, you know, they just don't know. But whatever it is, it seems like the church is, is really just right now not not doing its job. Why? Why is it that that seems to be the case if it's true? And, and how can so, you know, you work at, at North Point, at a huge church. How can how can well Brownsbridge? Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. I know that's a that's a that's a I know that's a thing for y'all down there. Um, but like you, you're working at a, at a larger church, and I think a lot of churches are going. I don't know how to do this. What would you yeah. say to those churches, and kind of what's what's the church's response that you've been seeing? <clears throat> yeah, I think one. I don't know that the church is failing per se, right? Like. I don't think that we're that we're doing things wrong. I think 
we we might just be missing a couple of pieces. And the big thing, again, it goes back to ownership. I think it's not our responsibility to spoon feed the kid their faith. Like, we can't make them believe everything, right? Like, at some point, like Paul says, you have to go from milk to solid food. You have to decide, like, I'm ready to grow, and I'm going to take the necessary steps, and I'm going to have some personal devotion and some personal quiet time, and I'm going to choose to, to seek to know God more. And so some of that does fall on the student. I think where it falls on us is to go, hey, we need to push you towards that. And what we do a great job of is, is, is creating compelling programs and um, creating community for students. There's a lot that we do that almost enables them from having to do it on their own. And so I think as they're getting older and as they get to the junior and their senior year, what does it look like for us as the church to go, hey, like, you've been around for a while now. You have the foundational truths that you need in your faith. What does it look like for you to now exercise those things, for you to serve, for you to give back, for you to start giving, like, percentage giving to the church? What does it look like for you to start exercising some personal disciplines that will help you grow so by the time you leave here, you've already owned your faith, that you really do believe what, what it is that you say you believe, and it's not just your parents' faith that you've been exercising for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just kind of curious uh, about, you know, just kind of the process, uh, like a little bit more of how this process came to be. So you're kind of, so let's go back to yeah. Waffle House. I know we've gone back there a little bit. So you're, you're in Waffle House, you go to your car, and then, you know, you write down these 10 things, and then... Yeah. You know, what What did it look like immediately after that? Did you, you know, talk with people? Did you, Were you immediately like, hey, Orange, I feel like I have an idea? Like, what, what did the days, weeks, and maybe months look like after you write down those 10 ideas? Yeah, so the 10 ideas that happened during our spring retreat and the way our ministry year is set up is right after our spring retreat, our seniors actually go into what we call college. Um, and it's the rest of the second semester where after the mes- after the worship, they go um, to a separate room and they get curriculum that's written just for them. Um, sometimes it's live communicators, sometimes it's videos. But it just so happened that right after the spring retreat, that, that college prep session was starting. And so I took those 10 ideas that I'd written down, um, and I just added some bullet points to each one of them, and I presented that to them for their first week of college prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the very first week, I just sat down in a chair, nothing special, nothing crazy. I just said, hey, y'all, I sat with some college freshmen. Here, 10 things that after my conversation with them, I feel like you have to know before you graduate. Um, and again, from there, it, it just became a really great conversation. Small groups went really well that night. Small group leaders came back to me and said, hey, like, our students felt like they grew a lot, like they learned a lot. They felt challenged, uh, but in a good way. And then I had students come to me and tell me the same thing. And so just looking back at that list, I thought, okay, I'm going to write this out. I'm going to take these bullet points and write them in the, in the longer thought and give them some questions to answer and hand this to our seniors as they graduate this year. Um, and at that point, after I had done that and gotten some letters from, from college students, that's when I was like, oh, Orange, I think I, think I might have an idea that could be helpful um, to student pastors across the country. And what's cool about the book, the way that it's written, is it is written in a way that you can hand it to a senior when they graduate and go, hey, work through this through the summer, and this will help get you ready for, for what's ahead in the fall. Um, but I think the ideal way to really use it is to buy the books at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of January and use it as a small group resource where the, the students can read through the chapter. The chapters are pretty short, so they read through the chapters together, um, and then they answer the questions on their own and then have group discussion around the questions. Um, so the questions are set up that they could lead a small group session pretty well. 
So on, on the one side, you know, you have the small group leaders, you have the student pastors, and they're doing their part. And then on the other side, you have parents as well. And they, yeah. pl- and they play a role in this as well. Um, what, totally. what advice or, you know, what would you say to a parent in order to help equip a high school student to help own, own their faith throughout college and even beyond so? Yeah, one I think, I think conversation is huge. I think asking like really great crowding questions to to help your students say out loud what it is that they believe um, is great, and to, to share with them some things that you wrestle with in your faith, some things that you're still trying to understand, some things that you've been trying to figure out. I think those hard conversations are really helpful um, so that that our students can see, hey, this isn't cookie cutter and it's not perfect and there's still questions and doubts and and things that we wrestle with, but uh, processing all that out loud will help them to to own it and believe um, what it is that they believe for themselves, which I think is huge. So I think great conversations with parents. Uh, I do think that that at their senior year, parents should really be pushing their students to decide whether or not they want to go so that it's not a choice they make freshman year, it's a choice they make senior year. And so we encourage it, but don't force it, um, I think is, is huge. Um, and then serving. I mean, I think every parent should push their student to serve younger students in their environment at some point. There's a level of responsibility that happens in the student when they realize there's a middle school boy or girl who's looking to me to be a guide for them. And so I can't go out on the weekend and drink, or I can't go out on the weekend and party, or I can't use that kind of language or act in that kind of way. I can't be prideful or rude or gossip because there's somebody who's younger than me who's watching me and they're learning everything um, about what it means to follow Jesus from the way that I live my life. And so for a parent, I would say have great conversations um, as they are leaving the house. I would encourage them to make their own decision about whether or not they're going to attend church, um, but obviously encouraging them to do that, but at the same time giving them the freedom to, to figure it out, not forcing them to do it so that they're not introduced to choice for the first time in their senior year. And then third, I would, I would encourage them to serve um, as much as they possibly can before they graduate. And then buy them a book and give it to them, walk through it with them. I mean, it's set up for a small group leader, but it's also set up for a parent. I mean, a parent and a student could sit down and read through the chapters together and go, okay, question one, like, why do you love Jesus? What does that relationship look like? Why did you choose a relationship with Jesus? Is it because of us? Is it because of something you felt? Is it because of an experience that you had? Is it because of something that you realized or something that you walked through in high school? Um, and being able to have that conversation, I think one will, will build the, the relationship between the parent and child, but two, again, it'll help the student verbalize what they believe uh, and give them some more ownership before they leave as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what what would you say or what are one or two practical things that um, whether it's a small group leader, a student pastor, or even teacher, or whoever is working with students, but someone who is very, who wants to help the, the students that they feel responsible for to help own their faith, what are one or two practical things that you would say that, um, that they can do to help their student or help students? Yeah, I mean, teach them how to have a quiet time. <laughs> There's a lot of students who, honestly, the only time they spend with God is on Sundays or Wednesdays, and they don't know how to have a personal quiet time. I know for myself growing up, um, going to church and then leaving the faith and then coming back 
to the faith as an adult. Like I had to have someone sit me down and teach me what it meant to have a quiet time and teach me like how to figure out where to even start reading in the Bible. Um, and so a lot of students, what I'm finding is that they have been so reliant on us that they've never learned how to do that on their own. Um, and so I think that's like the easiest thing that we could do is equip them with a way to be able to, to, to spend time with God and to have a quiet time. And then second, to teach students how to share their faith. Um, in the simplest way possible, just to teach students like how to tell their story, why they believe what they believe, the moment that they decided to follow Jesus, and why someone else should consider that as well. Um, because I think as students are able to do that, again, they take more ownership over it. I know I keep coming back to that, but I think it's huge. Like if students can own their faith when they graduate and have a faith of their own, um, it's a lot harder to shake it when they get to college. And so help them learn to verbalize it so that they know what they believe, um, and two, so that they can see the mission that Jesus has put before them to make disciples of all nations. And so they start seeing their college as an opportunity. They see their college as a mission field, not just another four years of school or not just a chance for them to improve personally, but they see it as a chance to really be a light in a dark place. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of the person who's listening and, you know, right now they're, they're not, uh, they're not a pastor or they're not a teacher or coach or, um, or even a small group leader. And they're like, you know, yeah, this is important, but I'm I'm not really sure I should be involved in it, or I'm not the one who should be involved with in, in helping students with this. What would what would you say uh, say to that person? Yeah, I would just ask the question, and it's a question that our our senior pastor Andy asks all the time. And the question is, what is the faith of the next generation worth to you? Um, and if you would say nothing, then do nothing. But if you would say it's worth something, if you would say it's important that students really like experience the freedom, the peace, the grace, the joy, the self-control that comes from knowing Jesus, then, then we got to do something. And that looks different for each of us. Maybe it's just as simple as buying a book for someone. Maybe it's as simple as, as um, serving as a volunteer. Maybe it's um, going to be a small group leader. Maybe it's leaving your job and going to do mission work. Like, I don't know what the answer is for all of us individually. But I think if we ask the question, what is the faith of the next generation worth? Man, it, the answer should be that it's worth something, and that should drive us to action to do something about it. Some of this stuff, I think, um, for people listening, could be overwhelming, um, particularly for a student pastor who's just just figuring out their their, their Sunday morning format or, or whatever um, as they're as they're thinking through yeah. this. Um, what what's something that you do, kind of, to take a step back, maybe as 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 when things are are going wrong? So you you have seniors and stuff that are leaving and coming back and saying, you know you didn't tell me this or you didn't tell me that what's something that you do to, to stay encouraged as you're, as you're walking through this process, this long process of helping disciple the next generation. Yeah. I mean, my dad always tells me, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Like you can't, you can't change everything at once. So it's not the expectation and you're never going to be fully perfect, right? Like some students are going to graduate from our ministries and go, man, I'm so grateful for filling student pastor's name. And others are going to go, man, like, I really didn't get it then, and I didn't understand, and it took me really falling on my face in, in college for me to understand who Jesus is. Um, I think it's our job to plant seeds and to let God do the rest, and so I, I would just say, hey, step back and just remember, like, God has been faithful in your life. Uh, you are in the position that you're in because God chose you to be there, um, and the end of every story is that God is faithful. That is just, that's the end of the story. 
what it takes to get there, we don't always know. But we know that the end of the story is that God is faithful. And so it's our responsibility to do as much as we can in the places, that, in the places and the opportunities that we've been given and to sow as many seeds as we can and let God do the rest from there. Um, so I don't want us to feel the weight of being responsible for all of this at the end of the conversation. But I do want us to feel responsible for doing as much as we can in the places that we're in. Mm-hmm. Well, Gerald, just as uh, we're getting ready to wrap up here, we always have um, a few questions that we love to ask every one of our guests on the podcast. And the first one is, what's one thing that is helping you either personally or professionally right now? Man, community. Uh, I'm actually up at the lake right now with two guys that I get to do ministry with, uh, Reed and Reed Moore and Jamie Dickens, and they've become two really good friends to me. Um, and so just having other people that you can bounce ideas off of, other people that understand the season that I'm in and the things that I might be wrestling with, other people that I can be honest and vulnerable with. But honestly, having two other guys who I can just be a dude with and laugh at stupid stuff and throw a football with and just hang out and listen to music together, um, just having some community of guys who are going, hey, I get what you're going through. I'm, I'm in it with you. It's been super helpful for me this last year. How did uh, how did you go about like finding? Because the person that I'm thinking of is like that's that's great that you have that. But how how do I go about finding finding those types of people for me? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, with both of these guys, my relationship with them started with me needing help with something that I didn't know how to do. Um, and it took me setting my pride aside to be humble enough to just ask for help. And over time, that built into a friendship and then a relationship. And so I would say, like, all of us have people around us, right? Like, and the relationship doesn't always start off like, oh, we just clicked instantly. Um, but I think over time, it can grow. And so maybe just looking around at your circle and going, okay, who's someone who knows more than I do? Who's someone that I could ask to go to coffee or ask questions about what I'm doing and see how they could help me um, or how I could even help them? And, and just begin a relationship, ask them about their family and their friends. And before you know it, you have community. But it took, I mean, I'm four years in uh, to do a ministry where I am now. And it took up until now for me to really be able to say that that would be my answer. Like, that's been the most helpful thing to me. Uh, I didn't have it for the first couple of years. It took me time to get to it. Um, but I'm really grateful now that I, that I was willing to put my, my pride aside and ask for a little bit of help. Um, and that grew into, into some really great friendships. So. If you could have everybody learn one thing, it could be about what we talked about, or it could be you want everybody to learn how to properly roast marshmallows. Um, what would that one thing be? Sorry, I have the question one more time. I'll cut out for a second. If you could have everybody learn one thing, it could be what we just what we've been talking about with your book, or it could be as random as having everybody learn how to properly roast marshmallows. What would it be? I would have everyone learn how to fully and truly appreciate LeBron James for being the greatest basketball player to ever play the game of basketball. If I could have everyone learn one thing, it would be that. So I've been following your tweets. It's so random. I've been following your tweets, though, and you and Stuart Hall. And the two, like, the thing that Stuart said the other day, it's so true. It's so true. And what's crazy is, is LeBron's, like, right up the road from us. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we we are in full agreement. On totally LeBron. agree. Yeah, come on, I love it. <laughs> I knew I liked this podcast. This one's better than any of the other ones I've been on. LeBron fans, go. totally <laughs> agree. Like I, we're not even mad because he's in LA. We're just like, dude, keep being you. Yeah, just people. Oh yeah, I just bought a Lakers jersey. 
I might. I might, though I will say this. You could you could get stabbed walking around northeast Ohio. Like there's real concerns. Yeah. Like there are real concerns about things, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh Gerald, what advice would you give to someone who's who has kind of the attitude that um I want to learn as much as possible? What advice would you give that person? Well, one way to go. Uh, I mean, leader, leaders are readers and leaders are learners, so you should learn as much as you possibly can um, from every person that you meet. And what's crazy is, like, some of, the, some of the best things that you'll learn in life will not be from people who you expected to learn from. Um, it's funny, one of my staff members uh, that's actually just starting with us next week, she was led to Christ by a six-year-old in high school. She was in high school and it was a six-year-old. And the way that the six-year-old was able to articulate what they believed about God is the reason that she decided to follow Jesus. And so sometimes it's the most unexpected places that we learn things. And so I would say, yeah, way to go keep learning. Um, but to give yourself rest. Like, life is not just about having as much knowledge as you possibly can. There's, there's a world happening around us and we don't want to miss out on that. So mm-hmm. pursue knowledge, pursue learning, get better, grow, but don't miss out on on the gifts that God has given you of life, of nature, of family, of friends, um, just being able to laugh and have a good time. And then finally, what are you learning right now? Gosh, the biggest thing I'm learning right now is that I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, you think you, you think the older you get, the more you have it figured out. And the more, the older you get, the wiser you are and the more you understand that there are people who are a lot smarter than you, who have done a lot more life than you, who have a lot more experience than you. And so I'm learning that if I can put my own pride aside and be humble enough to ask questions, um, I can avoid some of the pitfalls of life and that life is just a lot richer um, by leaning into other people. So at 29, I'm quickly learning that I do not know as much as I thought I knew. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that is so true. Well, Gerald, thanks so much for being on the Learner's Corner today. If people want to continue to learn from you, find the book, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, so they go to just beforeyougoproject.com. All of my social media links are there. Links to the book will be there as well. Pre-orders are available on Amazon now. So uh, just beforeyougoproject.com. My last name is so difficult to spell that it's easier to get people to the website than it is to go, hey, follow me on social media at, like, it's impossible to find it. So... Uh, awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. It's a blast. Caleb, what's your takeaway that you have from this episode with Gerald? I think my takeaway from it um, was just the the question that he just asked in the middle of it. What is the faith of the next generation it's worth? worth? Yeah, it's a great um, question. And Andy said that. I've heard Andy say that a lot. And um, that question has just been, it's challenged. That's a haunting question. It's challenged me so much. And it's empowered me to challenge other people as well. Yeah. What is the faith of the next generation worth? Is it worth you giving up some of your time? Is it worth you giving up some of your preferences? Is it worth you giving up some of your convenience? Right. And so... And difficult questions, like uncomfortable questions that I think a lot of grownups don't like, don't like to engage in because it's just not comfortable. Yeah. Well, we don't like to leave our comfort zone. We don't like to leave our comfort zone. We also don't like to talk about things like sex. That's awkward. We know we don't like to talk about um, who's Takashi 6ix9ine. 
Like, what is that? You know, this is just awkward for a lot of grown-ups to kind of get I don't know in. who that is. I'll teach you about <laughs> it afterwards. It's fine. I'll show you some YouTube videos. Um, but, like, we just, those are uncomfortable things. We don't know what to do with them. And, and it's like, well, if. Just, just like what we were talking about with Gerald. The faith of the next generation is worth something. And it's not, and this thing isn't going away. Yeah, like, it's not like all of a sudden they're all going to just disappear. Yep. Um, and so what are we going to do? Right. And so I think that this book is a great jump start for a lot of people out there who may be wondering what it looks like to to help students outside of the four walls of your church, outside of your small groups that are meeting in coffee shops. Like, what is it going to look like to help students to have a faith that lasts beyond your ministry? Yep. I know that we're definitely going to um, this is definitely going to be a helpful conversation starter for us. Sure. Where I work as well. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. The best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast player we you use. And oh boy, we have a phenomenal Uh-oh. episode Uh-oh. next week. We telling them we are talking with Tim Kite. Tim Kite e plus R equals O, baby. Exactly. And if you want to know what that means, don't miss Listen next to week's it next episode. Week. You're gonna want to subscribe. Is a phenomenal leadership expert coach. Um, he does a lot of work with the Ohio State Buckeyes as well in leadership and development and everything. And it is just a really great and practical guide to leadership and ownership, I would say, yeah. as well. And so you don't want to miss our next episode. It's be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and write a review. Let us know what you're currently learning about as well. Until next time, my name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Ball. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.